Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 95 of the Post 20 Podcast. This will be another solo episode with yours truly. Evan will not be available right now. Uh, I'm recording this uh, late at night. Uh, didn't work out for him. He's spending time with his girlfriend before she she heads off to New York. Um, so he's spending time with her, and our schedules for tomorrow didn't match up as well. So we decided to go with a solo episode this week for you guys. Um, haven't been, I haven't done this in a while, a little solo episode, uh, but I will, I will carry this show on my shoulders, uh, one step at a time here. It, it was an awesome week in the Premier League. We saw a lot of great matchups, uh, the Sunday, the super Sunday, if you will, all three matchups were, were incredible to watch. Some came down to the very end. Uh, others were, uh, a masterpiece of tactics and whatnot. Um, so overall it was a great week. Um, I'm just going to hop right into this. Usually me and Evan get into like a five to 10, maybe 15 minute intro bit. We're talking about how our weeks went in that, but, uh, don't want to bore you guys with that. If you guys came here for the Premier League content, uh, I'm going to bring it to you now here. Um, so, uh, our records last week for the pick'em. I liked, I want to start doing this at the start of the shows cause I forgot last week until the end. Uh, both of us went five and five for the week. So our records didn't really change. Evans still has a four-game lead on me. He is 27-3, and three, while I am 23-27. and 27. It's a long year. It's a long year. It's only five weeks in. Um, but like we said at the beginning of the year, after five weeks, we're kind of going to get an understanding of how each team's styles and tactics are. And I think we can get a decent grasp on, on a bunch of these teams now. Some teams had a very hard opening schedule for the first five weeks. So we might give them a little bit more time to see how they do against favorable con uh, competition, but uh, enough, enough waffle in there. Uh, we'll get right into the Friday matchup from last week, Newcastle United playing Leeds United. Uh, this I thought was going to be a barn burner and the chances were there both sides, 17 and 22 shots, uh, in total, respectively, and Newcastle with seven on target and Leeds with nine on target. It's very rare you get games with this many shots on target and only two goals being scored. It was crazy the amount of chances there were. Uh, Leeds, though, dominated in possession, 65% to Newcastle's 35. Newcastle still struggling a little bit without Callum Wilson, who's going to be out until October. So they're going to have to really rely on Saint, who has his own injury problems, excuse me, injury problems that haven't surfaced, resurfaced yet from the previous seasons. Um, Rafinha on the score sheet, nice whipped in ball from the right wing. It was tough judgment from the goalkeeper to go or not. Uh, and then right before the half, St. Max tied it up with a little solo, solo magic, which Newcastle have to rely on him because they don't really have anybody else. Um, Joe Willock hasn't had the start to carry over from the previous season he had with Newcastle on loan. They did get Carl Carl Darlow back in goal, who is an experienced Premier League goalkeeper from the previous seasons, unlike Freddie Woodman. Um, and we saw Dan James get a start here for Leeds, who had one or two opportunities but couldn't really finish anything. So overall, it's a, it was tough for Leeds not to win this game uh, because they do sit in that bottom five area as I'm pulling up the standings right now. Uh, to confirm that, I believe they're 17th right now. Yeah, they're in 17th on three points after five weeks, which is tough. Very few people would have guessed that. 
Um, everybody thought Leeds were going to be a high-flying team uh, where they were, they were, like last season, they were just lightning in a bottle, um, just goals on goals on goals, and they were giving up goals uh, on the other end, but they can match it. And now they're they're not up to that standard right now. For only five goals for average one goal game, but they gave up twelve, so they're giving up a little over two goals a game, which is is not a uh, a formula for success, if you will. So um, they're really going to have to figure out these problems. Um, Banford not getting as many chances as he should. Rafinha is a quality player that they Leeds kept uh, surprisingly from the previous season. He had a lot of bidders in for him uh, in other leagues, but he stayed. And they're really going to have to regroup and figure this out because let next week they're going to have a tough matchup against West Ham, who had an unfortunate result against Man U, who we'll get to later. But Leeds have problems here, while Newcastle getting a great point. I think they didn't. They definitely had enough chances to earn the right for a point. But when the possession stats come up, uh, Leeds dominated this game. And they sit right behind Leeds only on two points. They're in a similar position here uh, where they just really need to string a couple of results together. Um, and I think they definitely can if they get the right players supporting St. Max up front. So uh, a very exciting game with an unfortunate result because uh, I had the over in this game and it didn't hit. But I did pick Rafinha to score uh, just and I cashed out. So I did get a little bit of money back. All right. So that ends that. We move on to the next match, which I did call this game right. If you guys listen back to episode 94, um, the Brentford Wolves matchup, I pretty much uh, nailed this game on the head uh, with my prediction. We have Brentford 2, Wolves 0. My boy Ivan Tooney, second goal of the Premier League with a penalty, uh, and he assisted his strike partner, Mbuimo. Uh, so both strikers getting on the sheet could have been at least three or four. Uh, for Brentford, but it wasn't meant to be. Uh, and even though they did get two goals, they did give up a red card in the 64th. It was a double yellow uh, for Baptiste, who was going to be subbed off, but uh, very young player, inexperienced. So put Brentford in a really tricky situation for the end of the game. But Wolves, 11 shots, zero on target. Now there were clear-cut chances for them, uh, i.e. Jimenez, um, and Adama, just they weren't. It's been like the first three games. They have the chances. They are one of the top sides when it comes to shots per game. They average 16 a game, which is third best. And they even have a, a little over 50% possession. So they're in games. It's just they're just not on the. They're just being. Um, I can't talk. They're uh, unfortunate when it comes to putting the ball in the back of the net. And it's kind of becoming an old story to where, hey, we need to put these away now because if we don't, we're going to be in a really bad spot where we're chasing. We're chasing to climb up the ladder in the league. So, And it's the same team week in and week out. It's I don't know if uh, Bruno Lodge is going to have to change something. Um, even though things are working, they are creating the chances. It's just they need to find somebody who's going to bury them. And uh, you saw last week with uh, Huang Hee Chen, uh, and they do have Fabio Silva on the bench as well as Potence. So they do have these guys. Uh, we're, for, we're forgetting about Pedro Neto, who's going to be out until February. Uh, he's had, uh, I think, an Achilles issue or something with his foot. That he It was an extended period of time now. Uh, they misdiagnosed the injury, and he's going to be out longer. So 
they need to find that creativity up front. Trincao's kind of gone silent for them. So they and they are a team in 16th place on three points where they've been playing as if they're not a team in that position. If you understand what I'm saying, uh, Brentford on the other end, very surprising. Nobody thought Brentford. Nobody knew what Brentford was going to do. First time in the Premier League in over 70 years, um, and they're sitting ninth place, eight points out of a possible 15. Two wins, two draws, one defeat. Very strong start for a newly promoted side. Um, kind of on how Leeds were last season. Um, nobody knew what to expect from them. Uh, and they just brought the heat. Where Brentford isn't as dynamic going forward. They're kind of structurally strong. They know, each player knows their role. They play that three-five-two or 5-3-2, however you want to think about it. And they do well in it. I love Rico Henry on that left wing. Wing back spot, he's a very versatile player going forward and can uh, get pretty stuck in on defending-wise. He's kind of scrappy player like him. Uh, obviously, Tooney up front is their, their centerpiece of the team, and he's finally scoring another goal to get his confidence up. Uh, coming in with scoring 30 goals from the previous season, that's a lot, of, uh, a lot to live up for. Not live up for, but a lot to back up. Uh, and their back, their back line's standing pretty firm. I think that's their third clean sheet of the season let me double check that they have yeah that's their third the others come against arsenal and palace so clean sheets are very hard to come by for these mid-table to lower end teams and they have three of them already and against tough competition as well so i think brentford going forward now are gonna have harder matchups they next week with liverpool then west ham and then Chelsea. So this is them running the gauntlet right now. This is really going to test how legit are Brentford going up against the top quality teams in this league. And I'm really excited to see how it goes. But uh, I predicted this matchup perfectly. And I'm upset because I didn't put money on it. And I would have made a lot. It would've, it would've, I would have put two new score and Brentford to win. Brentford with plus 490 in this game. Tooney plus 250. I think it ended up being plus eight something in total. So I would have put a 20 on that. It would have been $160, $70. So very, I'm upset. I'm still upset, even though it, that game was five days ago, four or five days ago. So uh, all we can do is just move on and move on to the Arsenal Burnley matchup, which was a 1 0 victory for the Arsenal off a beautiful Martin Odegaard free kick. I'm sure Evan was delighted. With Odegaard getting on the score sheet, uh, following from last season, he did very well not being on the score sheet as much, but just he fit the side and what the style of the team was perfectly, uh, and he was rewarded for it today on a on all all of his skill as a player on the free kick. It's very hard to score on a free kick, and they were very close to the 18 too, so it's even harder when you're closer to the goal like that. Um, Saka had a couple chances. I was hoping for him to score. Uh, Pepe Aubameyang as well, Smithrow being subbed off as well, Tierney. You got guys like Maitland Niles, Nuno come in, Nuno Tavares, and, and Sambi as well. So you're getting these guys' minutes that you brought in from the summer to get used to the league, to get used to the style of Mikel's way. Uh, we saw Tamiasu on that right, right back role, which is looking like a staple mark going forward. He'll probably have that, that job over Cedric. Uh, and even Rob Holding, if they decide to put him, drag him out there, which they probably won't. But 
that seems like that's his side that's his position that he's won and he's a very hard-working player in there uh fellow japanese uh teammate of or sorry south korean as uh is he japanese sorry let me check that he is yes he's japanese i've been thinking he's south korean like son so yeah he's japanese uh throw back to kagawa at man united haven't seen a lot of japanese players in the league for a long time uh nice to see for him and arsenal just got the job done it's always tricky going to burnley very tough team to play sean dice signing a new contract with burnley until 2025 so they believe in him and what he's got for this team going forward but it's not showing on the results end uh they are sitting 19th in the league with one point only do only besting norwich who have not won a single point at all um so burnley struggling right now three goals for nine against not giving up a crazy amount they're not getting absolutely annihilated in games only losing one nothing uh the everton match last week wasn't following my point but they're not giving up like crazy amount of goals and they're in these games it's just they just don't have that creative uh touch on the end uh with guys from Dwight McNeil uh we saw uh Cornet come in Cornet uh they got from Lyon he was a creative guy out there on the left wing created a few opportunities for them uh but just couldn't just get the job done Mikel's guys were ready for the task uh and secured the three points so they can take these both these back-to-back one no victories uh, over Norwich and Burnley and turn that into something to beat Spurs next week in a North London derby. So um, I think right now Arsenal are the betting favorites. I think the match is at the Emirates, but I'll get to that later. I uh, don't want to tease too much into that, but great result for Arsenal. Uh, Burnley are going to have to really turn things around soon. Moving on, we have Liverpool 3, Crystal Palace nil. Uh, carrying it, carrying over from last season, uh, annihilating Palace still. I think the last three matchups now, our, our Liverpool have scored 12 and Palace none. And it showed on the stat sheet, we had 25 shots for Liverpool, 13 for Palace, 10 on target for Liverpool, only two for Palace, with possession leaning towards Liverpool's 60-40 way. Uh, we had goals from Salah, Mane, and... Nabi Keita off the bench who scored an absolute screamer and kind of did his own interpretation of uh, Eric Cantona scoring kind of not phased by the goal just like acting uh, in his own world in a way just unbelievable uh, the strike he hit off that volley um, and Mo Salah still scoring week in week out I think that's his fourth goal of the season uh, out of five weeks he scored and in the game he didn't score I think he got an assist so uh, Mo is firing on all cylinders. Uh, Salah, I'm Salah. Uh, Mane uh, now bagging another goal for himself, which he's, he struggled last season. I think he only scored eight, uh, eight or nine goals, and there was a period where he didn't score in about 12 matches. So he's kind of finding his feet. Uh, we saw Trent, Alexander Arnold, and Robertson rested in this game. Uh, as well as Matip, we had a little bit of a change in the back line with Milner, Konate, and Shemikas coming back in the squad. Uh, Konate again his first Premier League start, uh, and he did well. Uh, Palace didn't really have anything going for them. Uh, Zaha, not too much. It's the same lineup they've been putting in week in and week out. Uh, 
from Vieira, it's unchanged. We haven't seen a start from Edward yet. Um, we saw Alessi come in, one of their other signings from Reading, uh, didn't offer too much, but um, it's always tough going to going to Anfield and expecting any points out of it. So um, Liverpool's still carrying on. They're up there tied with Chelsea uh, for first place, both on 13 points. So they're both they're looking like strong title contenders. Uh, people might be sleeping on them because of the business they didn't do. They only brought in one player, uh, but it feels like Van Dijk and Fabinho and Henderson are all new signings because they were out for a while last season. So uh, they're back to full strength, kind of when they won the Premier League in 2019-20. So uh, good good signs from them. Palace kind of back to reality after beating Spurs 3-0, which nobody saw coming. Uh, a little re- a little humbling moment for them to lose to Liverpool like this. Um, sitting in 14th, which is right around where they finish every year. Uh, five points out of 15. One win, two draws, two losses. Uh, about standard for them. But uh, they have positive signs to move forward. And um, probably not starting talks of Vieira getting sacked yet. He's still in an okay spot. Um, and they do have some, some favorable matchups the next few weeks uh, going forward where they can definitely nick points. So uh, good for both teams here. Moving on to one of the surprising results, uh, Man City 0, Southampton 0. Starting with Southampton, Southampton are kind of showing the league that they're not going to be a pushover. Uh, They've gotten points now off of United, City, uh, and West Ham, all all being uh, draws, 0-0 and 1-1 draws. Um, but they're not, they're not looking like pushovers that a lot of people thought they would, especially after selling Danny Ings. Now that's not saying they're, they're not struggling to score goals. They've only scored four goals. Um, and their strikers aren't looking too, too great up front with, with, uh, Che Adams and, and, uh, Adam Armstrong, the new signings from Blackburn. So, uh, the only good thing going for them is their defense. Now they have four straight draws, uh, only giving up six goals, so a little over a goal game they're giving up. But they're looking firm back there. Ralph Hasselhoofel is um, doing his job well. I know Evan was critiquing him last week, saying he probably is going to get sacked soon. But I definitely don't see that coming, especially after these last couple of results over these title-challenging ch- uh, sides. Um, they just really need to find a way to win these games 1-0. It doesn't have to be much if they're if they if their defense can bend but not break and they nick one goal whether it's like off a, a counterattack or a set piece or whatnot or a penalty um, that can be the difference between them uh, finishing in the top half or the bottom half of the table which is looking like uh, the kind of team they're going to be this year. On the Man City end, we saw we saw a lack of attack, which is, or I shouldn't say a lack of attack. I should say a lack of shots on target, 16 shots in total, only one on target. Southampton had two on target. Uh, never thought you would see that. They just could not figure out how to get the ball in frame, putting that simply. Uh, and it was strong from Southampton who, I mean, 
holding Man City to zero goals is a very, very tough ask. You could say that even for a side like Chelsea or Man United or Liverpool. It's tough to hold them to zero goals. Um, there was a moment in the game where Kyle Walker took down Adam Armstrong and it was given a penalty and he got a red card, but VAR looked back and saved them on there. He didn't get the red and no penalty. So Man City has kind of gotten burned in the past from VAR, but not this time. And then late in the game, there were chances. There was a chance where uh, Foden had the ball headed in and Sterling got the rebound, but it was deemed offside. So went went for them and went against them. But um, this is something City are really going to have to shake off going into uh, a top table clash with with Chelsea. Uh, and Jack Grealish is a guy they have to get, get going because he started every single game. He's played 90 minutes in all of them like he did with Villa. Um, they're really just going to have to figure out who plays that number nine role in there. And now after today with the Carabao Cup concluding uh, group three, around three, I should say, uh, we're seeing Foden and De Bruyne more in the squad. So it's looking like they're going to be match ready for the Chelsea game on Saturday morning. So it's going to be an all out war uh, over who's going to be top dog at the end of the day. But uh, more of a great result for Southampton here showing their true colors. Moving on, we have Watford 3, Norwich 1. This was a game that I, 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 my instant gut was Watford, but I just thought for a second that Norwich, Norwich need points because there's always times, I said last week, there's never a season where a team loses every single game. They always get points from somewhere. There's always a couple of results they nick, uh, and I thought this was the one, but uh, Emmanuel up front. Uh, Dennis got a goal, the first goal for Watford, as well as a brace for Saar, who is their main man. Uh, Timu Puki getting Norwich's second goal of the season, both coming from him. Uh, but they've given up 14 goals. Uh, not a not a winning formula for them. Uh, it's looking like they're going to get relegated. It's I mean it's very 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 soon to say that, but just the style they've played. They've played teams um, of all quality in the league so far. Well, I shouldn't say that. Uh, Liverpool, Liverpool, City, Leicester, and Arsenal are all top teams. Um, so you're expecting them to lose those. But this was a game against Watford, a fellow promoted team that you thought they could compete with. And it just wasn't meant to be. If you look at the stats, it was it was a little a little over 50% for Watford in possession. Equal shots, Watford putting more on target. It was just a case where uh, the chances just went Watford's way, whereas Norwich couldn't make them uh, as successful. And Josh Sargent got a start. The, the American for Norwich, it's looking like it's going to be a long year for him there. Uh, probably won't last there that long if he wants because they're going to end up in the championship, and he'll probably leave because... He needs to play top quality soccer to for the World Cup next year if he wants to make the team. So he's got to think about that. But um, yeah, Watford's a team looking very solid. They're sitting 11th in the table, two wins, three losses. Uh, pretty pretty solid from them. They're right up there with Brentford. Um, so yeah, I mean, not really much to say. Ben Foster getting his first start in the Prem. Uh, good to see from him from back from injury. Danny Rose in there. Suzuko, they have Tom Cleverly as well, Josh King. Uh, they have guys that are experienced in this league, uh, veterans, if you will, 
so they know how to manage these games well. And you saw the result here. So great result for Watford. Norwich back to the drawing board for Daniel Fark. Okay, the final game for the Saturday window was Aston Villa 3, Everton 0. Uh, it was the opposite week uh, that Everton had compared to the last week when they won 3-1, three, three or sorry, 3-0, three three, yeah, 3-1 three over Burnley where they scored in a six-minute window, which happened here with Villa. Villa scored in a, about nine, ten minutes. Matty Cash getting the first, uh, an own goal from Digne from a Leon Bailey cr- uh, corner. Uh, and then Leon Bailey getting his own goal uh, from a Danny Ings assist, which was a crazy outside the football over the top. Aston Villa, more possession here. Uh, that's what it's looking like for Everton. Everton's a side that are going to give the ball up. Not not on turnovers, but they're just going to let the other team have the ball, uh, and they're just going to dictate the play where Everton's going to win it and just counter. Uh, we did get news today that uh, James Rodriguez officially left Everton for a side in the Qatar League, I believe. Uh, I'm not going to try to pronounce the name. Uh, I'm just going to make myself sound like an idiot, but he goes to the oil money. Uh, I'm sure he's not going to try at all in the games. He probably won't have to train, and he'll still do well there. Um, but aside from that, Everton, no no Richarlison, no DCL, both out with injuries. They'll both be out until October. So they really had to go to the drawing board here to figure something out. It just didn't work. Rondon is a guy that needs support, uh, needs the service to him. He's not a guy that can create for himself. Did a great job holding the ball up, though, in a few moments in the game. Did a great job there. DeMar Gray in behind. Townsend Iwobi, these kind of second-tier players, if you will, in the Everton hierarchy table, however you want to say that, uh, or put that. Just wasn't enough for them to get on the score sheet. And uh, once Astville scored the first, it was like the floodgates opened. Um, surprisingly, no goals from Watkins or Ings. Ings is kind of going on a dry spell uh, since the first two games where he got a goal in both of those. But this was a result well needed for Villa. Uh, it was a tough result for them last week against Chelsea, losing 3-0. Uh, didn't show how the game played out. They They were in that game for a long time. Um, but they got the result here against a solid Everton team who allowed a, a, they were off to a great start, um, but a little bit of a reality check for them going forward. So Aston Villa looked good here. Everton, Rafa, we, we, we now know they're human and can be opened up now to, to counterattacks and set pieces and whatnot. So something to look forward to in the future matchups for both. All right, into the Sunday window. This was the three games of craziness, uh, mainly the first two, the 9 o'clock windows. First off, we have Brighton versus Leicester City, Brighton 2, Leicester 1. Brighton getting a dodgy penalty in the 35th minute. Uh, Neil Boupe pulling down Vestigard, but in the VAR decision from their official, um, decided to give a penalty, which shaked up the match, gave uh, Brighton a 1-0 lead at the half Danny Welbeck 5 minutes into the second half uh, off a set piece header unmarked um, nice snapshot header into the bottom corner and then the the, the Brighton kind of starts sitting back with a 2-0 lead uh, putting on some defensive midfielders and defenders uh, late on in the half as substitutions 
And Leicester just started dominating the ball, had all the chances late in the game, 63% possession to 37, showing how much possession they had late in the game. Uh, and Leicester, the one goal they scored was probably the best goal over the whole weekend. Uh, team goal, I should say, maybe not individual, but just like the best team goal. Just one one touch football down the side, into the box, nice loft across into a Vardy tap in from the five yard line, um, and then controversial VAR again. Two two chances uh, for Leicester, both go in the net, but Harvey Barnes, the the most unlucky man in England on that day, um, deemed offsides on VAR. Both both VAR decisions, I believe, were wrong. They should have both been given as goals. Uh, they gave him because of the position he was in. They deemed it he was uh, playing, not playing the ball, but was obscuring or in, influencing the goalie's vision and wouldn't let him see the ball. But I think that was kind of bogus, and I thought Leicester should have gotten a point in this game, which I bet on the, I bet on the draw. Uh, Evan and I both forgot to predict this game last week I texted him on Saturday saying that and he picked a Leicester win and I went with a, a draw so could have gotten one on him there but wasn't meant to be because of our uh, and Harvey Barnes positioning but Leicester are really struggling right now Leicester sitting in 12th on six points um, I, I said in the previous matchup with Watford they're in 11th and they're in a good spot but uh, with Leicester and uh, everybody's predictions, putting them in that top eight area, some even top six, challenging for a top four position maybe. But uh, injuries are really hurting them right now uh, with that back line. Those guys aren't getting game time, and it's it's really hurting them back there with Johnny Evans, um, Castagna off the bench there, um, as well as as well as. Uh, James Madison and Harvey Barnes just not producing on the attacking end. James Madison is looking like a shell of himself from last season as well as Barnes. And all the weight goes to Vardy. Um, so Brendan Rodgers is going to have to figure something out. He's definitely, I think, with this, with them bringing in Pats and Daka, a guy that scored a, a lot of goals in for Salzburg last year, having him to partner with Vardy, or you can go with Ian Nacho, another quality striker there for them, uh, who is Premier League proven and knows how to get goals in this league already more so than Daka. They need to get more strikers in there rather than these creative wingers. It's looking like that's the way they're going to have to win games. Um, so that's for them moving forward. But Brighton are off to the best start I think they've ever had. Um, they're sit they're currently in fourth place, four wins, one loss, right right in the mix. For the title, uh, will it last? No, but they're right up in there. It's kind of how Everton was last year, um, but it's good signs from them. They they understand their identity. They they play their way uh, and don't adjust to the other team. So that's great for them. And they brought in depth in positions in the midfield and in the back line to solidify. Um, if when they're in when they have the leading games like this one was, obviously VAR was in their favor, but. Uh, it just worked out for them. So great result for them. Lester, Brendan Rogers is going to have to figure out the winning solution. Okay, moving on to probably the craziest match of the weekend. We have West Ham 1, Man United 2. Um, you couldn't write the script for the end of this game. Just uh, for the start of the game, we had uh, Ben Rama 
in the 30th minute, getting a getting a goal off a deflection off Iran, uh, opened up the game, really pressured Man United to to really get an equalizer right away, uh, and they did off of Cristiano Ronaldo, uh, cross coming in from Bruno Ronaldo, uh, the poacher as he is, perfectly times his run, gets a shot and then cleans it up with a rebound uh, from Fabianski, couldn't keep a hold, uh, leaving the game 1-1 at the half. Um, and then it was Man United from there for about the first 15 to 20 minutes. They were still putting their foot on West Ham's throat. Uh, and then West Ham got up for the next 10, 10 minutes, 10, 15 minutes, and gave it right back to United. It was like a, a quick shift in the game where West Ham was the aggressors. They had plenty of opportunities. But the last 10 minutes, uh, I've had this feeling since Ronaldo's back, like the good old days of Man United, they're always in it until the very end. I knew they were going to win this game. I had money on them to win this game with a Ronaldo goal. I just knew it was going to be a 90th minute cheeser. Uh, Jesse Lingard, uh, after his incredible loan spell last year with West Ham, comes on with Jane Sancho, bags the winner. Uh, and rightfully shows respect to the fans. I thought that was a class act from him. But an absolute worldy top bin shot kind of fading away. Uh, it was magical. And then the controversial controversial call on the other end. Uh, a handball from Shaw. VAR decision gives a penalty. Uh, Mark Noble, who didn't play the entire game, comes off the bench to take the penalty. The club captain in his final season for the club. Uh, penalty expert or specialist, I should say, uh, and and it's saved by De Gea. Um, everybody has their take on that, whether he should have taken it or not. If you would sub a guy on that hasn't played at all, hasn't been warming up really whatsoever, give him the deciding penalty to win you a point. I don't know if I would do that. They had guys on there I definitely would have trusted. You had you had Rice. Rice could have taken one, um, as well as. Uh, Ben Rama or Cresswell, any of those guys I would have put on that. Um, so it just, or Ben Rama came off, sorry for that. Maybe Fornals or Lanzini. You have those guys, those guys are great set piece people. Uh, but it just wasn't meant to be. And Man United was pissed because there were two or three opportunities on the other end that could have been given as penalties, uh, two of them on Ronaldo. So it was a tough matchup. This was a result for Man United that showed everybody that. Uh, they can win these matchups, these top end matchups in uh in the light in the late stages of the game, and that's what champions do. So it'll be interesting to see if they can carry this form on. Um, this did come after a loss to in the Champions League against the young boys. Um, so they bounced back here and they lost. <laughs> they lost as of today against West Ham in a rematch in the Carabao Cup. They lost there, so uh, West Ham got their revenge, but. It was in the League Cup, and that's not as big as the Premier League, we'll have to say. But uh, moving forward, this is something both teams will have to think about into the next fixture. Okay, then we're going longer than I thought I was going to go here. We're 35 minutes in, but this is the last recap game we have, and then I'll do my predictions, which will be quick since it's just me. Um, we have Chelsea, three, Spurs, nil. Now... The first half kind of leaned more into Spurs' favor. Um, they had a few better chances than us. Uh, I say us as Chelsea. Um, 
Chelsea came out with a strong lineup here with, with uh, of course, Lukaku, Havertz, and Mount up front. Uh, we had Kovacic and Jorginho, Alonso, Aspi, Thiago Silva, Rudiger, Christensen, uh, and a normal lineup for us there. And then we had Kepa in because Mendy picked up an injury uh, over the during the week uh, against Zenit in the Champions League, so he was not able to make this game. Excuse me, as well as the matchup today in the Carabao Cup, which we won on penalties thanks to Kepa with two saves, um, one off the crossbar from Ashley Young, shocker. Um, but yeah, it was a decent lineup. I was a little sketched out about Kepa, but. Uh, we got the job done. Harry Kane is just looking like a shell of what he used to be the past five, six years in the league. He's just not looking like the same player. Um, whether that has to do with the contract issue, if he won't, because he wanted to leave with the club, I don't know. I don't know what it is with him, but when he's not firing off on all cylinders, it's hurting Son because Son's a guy that plays off his energy. And does just as well. Those guys are a dynamic duo for them. And it just wasn't wasn't there this match. Uh, we did see Romero get a start here with Dyer. Dyer did play in this game. I think I said last week that they'd be out. But both of them played. And it looked like a strong, a strong lineup from Spurs. Um, and like I said at the start, um, Spurs did control the first half, I would say. But second half, we come out. Uh, right at, right at the start of the half, Mason Mount comes out for N'Golo Kante, uh, an attacking player coming out for a defensive player in a 0-0 game. Uh, most people would think be a little unsure about that because uh, when you make that kind of substitution, it gives you the feeling that uh, you're kind of packing in and you're just wanting to holding the want to hold the result. Uh, but that wasn't that wasn't the the result of that decision. We saw. Thiago Silva, four minutes and a half off a corner. Great header from him. Love to see it. And then that substitute in Golo Kante, uh, the man I love on this team. Uh, great smile. Uh, he gets a goal off a deflection off Eric Dyer, and that sealed the game pretty much. Just N'Golo Kante dro- drove that midfield uh, and was a key influence on the attack, opening things up. And then in the 92nd minute, we saw Rudiger get a goal uh, from a Timo Werner assist. Uh, as well as Timo Werner scoring today in the Carabao Cup. So Timo Werner starting to come back, uh, hopefully. Uh, I, re- I really want to see him in good form because if we can get him and Lukaku in the team, uh, that's a scary sight to see that with that duo. But, uh, yeah, I mean, just like I was talking about with the Villa result previously against Chelsea at 3-0, uh, this game was a lot tighter. Uh, than what the result says. Uh, ma- mainly for the first half, the second half was like a completely different game. So Spurs, back-to-back weeks, beaten 3-0. They sit 7th in the table, 3 wins, 2 losses. Uh, only 3 goals for all those 1-0 wins, 6 goals against in just 2 games. So Nuno is really going to have to figure himself out because he's entering his first North London derby. Um, and he's really, really going to have to figure it out because if they lose this game, Spurs have been on a run here uh, beating Arsenal um, where he might lose the fans if they don't get a result here. Um, But Chelsea looking like strong title contenders, whereas Spurs um, really struggling to find their identity, mainly Harry Kane. Harry Kane's really got to figure himself out with what he needs to do to start scoring again 
Okay, that concludes the recap of Week 5's matchups. Just under 40 minutes. Uh, nice for there. Um, I've been doing this whole time without drinking. Oh my god, that feels so good. I haven't taken a sip of anything in like the, like that 30-minute span. It's tough doing these by yourself. There's no, like, you can't bounce ideas off anybody or just conversation back and forth to start new talking points. But that's fine. Uh, I've gone this long. I can carry on for another 10 minutes or so. So a lot of great matchups this week. The Saturday window is looking, especially the early window, is looking tough. Um, Pulling up the odds here. On FanDuel, um, if it would show me the right tab. There we are. Okay, first matchup. We're getting thrown right into the deep end here. We have Chelsea hosting Man City. Um, in the past, these matchups have been very tight. Uh, both games last season were split. Man City winning 3-1 at the bridge, whereas Chelsea win 2-1 uh, at, at the Etihad. Um I don't really know what to say here other than I'm back in my boys. I have to. They are looking like the champions this league. They're, there's no cracks in this team. Um, there's no issues, really. Other though, If I had to say, it'd be Alonzo on his defensive duties. Uh, I think Mares would eat him alive out there on that wing. It's going to be very interesting to see how the matchups go. Tuchel is the master tactician. So he'll understand what to do against certain players. Um, I'm sure De Bruyne and Foden will be available for this game. So that'll make their jobs even harder. Uh, On the City defensive end, we're going to see a clash of Ruben Diaz versus Lukaku. We're going to see how that bodes for them. We we already saw Lukaku and Van Dijk, and uh, we didn't really see a a true test there because it was only one half of them. Uh, and then Chelsea with 10 men had to kind of pack it in. So we didn't really see a true matchup clash there, but we will see Diaz versus Lukaku this week. Uh, so that should be interesting to see, uh, as well as the midfielders there, probably Jorginho and Conte or Jorginho and Kovacic if Conte's not up for it yet uh, against Gundogan, Rodrigue, uh, or Fernandinho, and then probably De Bruyne in there. So um, it'll be interesting to see the matchups, but... Yeah, I'm going to back my boys here. I think they'll get the win. Uh, And the odds right now, it's plus 175 for Chelsea, plus 170 for City, plus 220 for a draw. So the bookies have no clue who's going to win this game. It's looking pretty much even. So, yeah, moving on to the other early matchup on Saturday. We have Manchester United hosting Aston Villa. Man United are minus 270 on favorites. Uh, Aston Villa plus 650. Um, after that West Ham result, I could think, I can see this game being close, um, in the past, Man United, I'm, uh, pulling up the head-to-head now, yeah, Man, Man United won both matchups last season, 2-1 and 3-1, uh, these clubs have faced off 52 times, Aston Villa have been the victors, only three, so, stats-wise, it's not in their favor, um, but it could be different here. I think with uh, coming off a big 3-0 win over Everton, 
giving Aston Villa motivation there. Uh, they did just come off losing in the Carabao Cup to Chelsea in a shootout. So one less competition to worry about. They can fo- focus on the Premier League now, not in Europe or anything. So that's all they, they play now is the Premier League matchup. So um, I definitely can see an upset. Man United, the team, I think, can definitely be shaky here in this matchup. But um, I think... I'm going to back United here. I'm going to trust the big dog like I did last week, Liverpool. I think Man United can definitely run over Aston Villa here in the midfield uh, with Bruno Pogba and uh, McTominay or Fred, whoever's in there. Fred, more suspect. But I think United can get the result here and carry on uh, chasing that title, their title hopes. All right, next we have Everton hosting Norwich. Pretty self-explanatory. I'm going with Everton here. Uh, Norwich burnt me last week, and I definitely don't see Norwich winning this matchup because they have nothing to offer going forward. Now, it's a different situation now looking here at the depth charts. Um, DCL and Richarlson will will be out of this match as well. So, attacking-wise for Everton, they are thin. Uh, It's looking like Dinier might be uh, questionable for the game as well if he's fit or not but they're and they're out with they're out uh Jordan Pickford's out as well so a lot of key guys are out Bigovic in there um it might be a very low scoring game but I do think Everton can get the result here so I'm gonna go with Everton uh next we have Leeds versus West Ham now last season I'd be taking Leeds here currently Leeds is looking like a shaky team. Um, They do take a lot of chances. And West Ham are a team that, uh, possession-wise, are about 50-50. Leeds, 58. So, Leeds could be controlling the ball here, I think. Uh, Let me check. Antonio should be back for this game, yeah. So, Mikel Antonio will be back here. Got some extra fitness. Um, I'm going to go with West Ham. Um, Antonio's in great form right now, uh, coming off a suspension week. Uh, he got, got some much needed rest, uh, and I think he'll carry on his goal scoring form. So I'm going to go with West Ham away from home. All right. Next we have Lester hosting Burnley. Um, Lester struggling right now as well. Uh, I should say for their standard as well as Burnley down there in the relegation battle, uh, and we'll see looking at the head-to-head now the sides drew 1-1 and Leicester 1-4-2 previously um don't really see Burnley score more than one goal in a game so that's rare um I'm gonna go with the draw here I think Leicester is still gonna struggle for form uh Burnley are are hard, are gonna pretty much play like how Brighton did um probably watch film from that game and just kind of copy that style. Um, set pieces will be their friend. Um, and I think Burnley can get a result here. Leicester are just out of form. I'm going to keep betting against them here uh, until I can, until I'm proven otherwise. I think if they play Nacho here with Vardy up front, I think that'll be a different story. I think Leicester would win the game then, but I'm going to stick with a draw. Okay, next we have Watford hosting Newcastle. Watford doing very well from themselves Newcastle struggling a little bit they are in games I'll give you that last time these teams played Watford won two to one 
um, back in, what was that, 2020. So I think my gut instinct wants to go with Watford, but they're just a very tricky team right now. When it comes to possession, both sides uh, have under 44% possession, Newcastle only with 40% possession. So I think Watford here, Watford get the win. Um, actually, no, no, I might regret this. I'm going to go with a draw here. I think Newcastle on the counterattack are very dangerous. And I think Watford are a side that can be exposed, especially they, I don't think they have the quickest defense, uh, especially with Danny Rose back there. I think St. Max can catch him off guard. Um, as well as I think Joe Willock can definitely get on the score sheet here. I think he, his time is coming soon. Um, they are still without Cal Wilson, who's a major loss, but, I think with the speed they have on the counterattack, it'll be just enough to get them another point. So I'm going to go with the draw. I'm going to have faith there. I'm going to go against my instinct. Okay, moving on to the late game of Saturday. We have Brentford hosting Liverpool. This is the first big test for Brentford. Um, Liverpool will probably hold possession of the game. Brentford are just going to have to take their chances when they get them. Uh, and they have in the, in the past so far. Um, but I don't think that's the case here. I think Liverpool get the win. Um, I don't know if they're going to beat them by a lot. I think I can definitely see this only being a 1-0 game because Brentford are so solid there under Thomas Frank. So I'm going to go with a low-scoring Liverpool win. Okay, moving on to the Sunday window. We have Southampton hosting Wolves. This is a tough matchup because in my reviews, both of these teams are very solid. Um, but I'm going to lean more towards Wolves here because they create chances, and Southampton are a side that do not. Um, Wolves, however, are more unfortunate when it comes to luck. So I'm going to go with Wolves' win, probably a 2-1. I definitely I definitely think this is a week that Traore can score. Um, he can definitely catch out that defense, and his time is coming soon where he can get a goal. So I think this is the week. I think Wolves get a win, get them out of that bottom of the half of the league, and moving forward, Bruno Lodge can be happy. Okay, into, the I'd say, the second biggest game of the week behind the Chelsea City game. We have Arsenal hosting Spurs in the North London Derby. Uh, now, last season... Arsenal, both of these teams actually split the games. Arsenal won 2-1, and Tottenham won 2-0. Uh, goals coming from Odegaard, Lacazette, and Lamilla in the in the latest game. This is going to be a bloodbath because both teams are in a state where they're not the, at the peak of the league anymore. They're, that's kind of how it's been the past few seasons, but... It's showing now, especially in the start of the year, that both these teams aren't where they used to be. Uh, and it's really going to be a scrap. So um, I definitely think this is the game that Harry Kane scores his first goal of the season. That's kind of how it's going to go. Arsenal are that unlucky. Um, and I think I'm going to go with a Spurs win. I think Spurs, attacking-wise, are going to expose uh, that young young defense of Arsenal. I think that's easy there, especially with Ramsdale and goal. If they go with him, I definitely think Harry Kane will dominate, um, especially with Son there as well. And I think Nuno is the better manager of the two. And he, I think he can get more out of his guys than Arteta can get out of his. 
So I'm going to go with the Spurs win as unfortunate as that sounds. I want to back Evan, but I'm going to go with Spurs. So I, I have a feeling he's going to bet. Oh, no, I can't say that. He he would never he would never pick Spurs in this game to win. He has to back his boys. But I'm going to go with Spurs just for the fact that he'll go with Arsenal. He'll probably win. So I'll go with Spurs there. Okay, and the last game here to close out the show, uh, we're going with Crystal Palace hosting Brighton. Crystal Palace are a side that can play spoiler. Brighton are a side that can underperform. Uh, in last year's matchups, Palace won 2 1 and also drew. So Palace can get the better of this team. Um, under new management, though, with Vieira, I don't know. I'm sure it'll be the same exact side they've been putting in week in and week out there. Um, I'm going to go with an upset here. I think Palace can get the win. I think Palace at home will get the win because I think Zaha can go at these players easily. I think this is a match that you put Edward in there to start. I don't think Benteke is their solution. I think they need some fresh blood up front, some new pace. IU's not really doing anything there either. Uh, I think that he should give Alissi a start, young man up there. So I think they need to get some new blood in that lineup because the ones currently are just not getting the job done, um, sitting in 14th. So I think... Palace getting upset here against Brighton. Okay, that concludes episode 95 of this week's episode. We're just a little over 53 minutes. I'm surprised um, I got it to last this long. But uh, that's what happens when you ramble for a while. You just One thought leads to another, which leads to another, and then you just go into a little bit of a rant for five minutes. Uh, just like that. So um, plug all the things we got here. We got at Post20Pod for our Instagram, Twitter. Check out all of our soccer content there, as well as Evan's been posting all the football stuff with the spreads and their picks and whatnot, um, whether they're right or not, which is they've, they've been doing pretty well. I've been seeing those. Um, if you want to check out our old content, check us out, SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Uh, all those streaming platforms, you can catch any of our old episodes uh, if you want to see what we've done in the past there, uh, as well as our YouTube if you want to check out some of the older uh, videos on there from our past episodes. Uh, hit the red subscribe button, hit the notification bells across all platforms so you're notified when we post our new content. Um, yeah, and other than that, thank you guys so much for watching. Um, I appreciate you guys coming here week in and week out. Uh, listening to not only this type of content, but also the football content uh, and any other content we've done in the past. So we really appreciate it um, coming up on two years now in a few weeks, um, as well as we're going to hit our 100th episode soon, which is a, a milestone I never thought um, I never thought would be possible. Uh, it happened so fast, but uh, I'm really happy we're still doing it. Uh, it's something I enjoy a lot. Um, something I always look forward to in my week um, that I definitely always make time for um, but yeah it's all thanks to you guys we appreciate you guys listening uh, uh, would appreciate if you guys gave us feedback both on our socials uh, and and on the comments on SoundCloud and whatnot when you can drop comments on there as well let us know what we're doing right what we're doing wrong uh, what we can improve on and what's and so forth so um, yeah I think I've rambled on long enough uh, I almost got this to an hour, but, uh, thank you guys so much and, uh, we'll see you next week.